Middle-earth stands on the brink of destruction. None can escape it. You will unite or you will fall. Each race is bound to this fate, this one doom. Oh my, like, I forgot. I know you love Rings of Power, Elrond, okay. and that's totally fair. No one's Hugo mean. weaving. No one is Hugo weaving. You, you need to let me get to there, bro. Like, I need to get there, and then I will let you know how I He's feel. He's got me there. <laughs> He's like, Hugo. And this was like, what a run to go from Agent Smith to this it's like, actually kind of incredible you're totally right there's something and, like one of the most probably you know especially after all the sequels and everything like maybe top 10 villains in movies agent smith nothing maybe. is more frightening than that character yeah. and then just to go and like you know i think when you first watch this movie you see him on the battlefield and he's always got the arrows whizzing by him and everything but when frodo wakes up in rivendell you're home, man. It's so he's dad. He is. It's like when you when you drive home from college, like late, like I'd always drive home late night from college, and so my parents would already be asleep, and then you wake up and you got like you know like parents come and wake you up like we got bacon on. Come, your, come get some. Your breakfast. clothes are already clean. You can yeah, yeah, that's really wonderful. That's so sweet. Um, yeah, no, I am not anti Hugo Weaving as Elrond. I just really. Am pro Richard Aramayo or whatever Robert Aramayo. Like I, I love Rings of Power, Elrond also. Um, but he is. They do make him a little bit harder in these movies. Um, I, I I'm gonna have to be honest though. I did not realize Hugo Weaving was Agent Smith. Really? I okay. was that. I was too young to understand that that was somebody. I think it took me a long time to know that that's who he was. I think it's just because I was such a big Matrix head. And so when yeah, he I never, showed up. Yeah, that, Yeah, because that was one of those VHSs that, like, you know, you fast, like, uh, one of those VHSs you break because you're, you're fast forwarding <laughs> to, like, the lobby fight. You know, you're rewinding to the bullet time. Like, all like that's just a a movie you'd watch over and over and over again as a, as a kid. Just because, one, do you understand everything they're trying to say in The Matrix? Most likely not, but that's okay. Everything looks cool. And then you're old, when you're older, you can get it. <laughs> 100%. I guess there's a part of me, though, that would love to have been 25 to 29 watching Matrix in the theater for the first time. You know what? I, I, I agree, but I also disagree because I don't want to show up. <laughs> I don't want to be in the archives of the internet showing up to the multiplex in my trench coat and sunglasses <laughs> and being like, yeah, I am the one. Because <laughs> you would, man. <laughs> oh, that would have been me. Like, absolutely no shade to that guy. I was just born in the wrong time because that right. would have been me. I was... I was lightsaber fighting on Main Street for Revenge of the Sith. Of course I would have been there opening night for The Matrix. And it's so much better to be trench coat guy when you're 16 than... <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> In that era. Yeah. Um, that's such a good point. I guess I just more mean for, like, your, your brain being blown kind of thing. Because, like, even the internet coming for us at the time that it did 
it it was novel it was exciting but it wasn't like this is a game changer yeah we were just already beginning to communicate with our friends and become independent and then the internet shows up so it's not like it changed the game for us in a sense yeah it for us it was like it was so gradual with everything yeah it's like my sister my sister had Facebook when it was the Facebook, when it was oh. just on UC campuses. Like, I got Facebook in college because you couldn't get it in high school. Right. Like, uh, so I feel like I know every generation thinks they're born in the perfect generation or like the perfect time. But just we did get that perfect mixture of, hey, let's go outside and write, you know, the whole Stranger Things, like it, Stephen King, like riding your bikes around, playing with your friends all day in the summer. But then if I wanted to go home and play video games, I could. And then, you know, in what was it? I think it was Halo 2, my junior year is when Xbox Live really like oh. came out. So that was when you because I wasn't a PC gamer. So I know all the PC gamers out there have been playing online forever. But I didn't have one because we didn't have good Internet when I was growing up. Uh, so when Xbox Live came out, I begged my parents for it. Wow, and was able I didn't to get think it. about that. Yeah. So it was it was just a it was such a, a gradual rise with technology for us. So we're like, oh yeah, we understand that. Okay. Oh, iPhones? Okay. Those are crazy expensive and all right. Uh, I still have my flip phone. Uh, like the Razor when it came out. It was Yeah, like, oh, the Razor was killer. Yeah. I remember I was at a, a party uh when I visited my sister in college and some like when you had the Razor, that was that was a status symbol because mm-hmm. those what, they were like twelve hundred dollars or something. It was were like they? I didn't even. They know. were crazy expensive. I remember a kid at. at um, Could you imagine spending twelve hundred dollars on a razor right uh, now? My <laughs> a guy I knew from like a rival high school, and we would go to like church group together. Uh, he had a blue one, and so like that was it was either black or silver. And so Wasn't if there you had a pink a, one though, wasn't there a magenta I, that one? Was, that was, it was, it came out with the blue, but like the blue like was like less known. Like they, they did the marketing for the pink. Uh-huh. And so like, I was like, oh my God, you got, your parents have money, money. Oh my gosh. A blue I, razor. <laughs> I don't know how my parents did it. They really made us feel like we were way more rich than we were. It comes, we come to find out that they actually used a trust fund that was in our name to like send us to private school and stuff. Oh, yeah. and, and so like, there was definitely money that I would have ended up with if we didn't spend it on razors. But they were also trying to give us a really great childhood. But but anyway, this is all to say, I think there's a reason why we're focusing on this time period is because that's when it came out for us. Yeah. Um, I've been, I think like the internet has been like coming for Gen X a little bit too lately. Um, I had a podcast in the, during the pandemic about the differences between generations. But you're so right. Like, we also drank out of the hose. We also didn't go into the house. We, you know, we experienced both. Obviously, we did. Yeah, we had parents say, go outside and we won't see you, you know, till the the streetlights come on, basically, kind of thing. And it's certainly not the same extent of neglect that all the Gen X kids went through. But we did get both worlds. And that is what millennials are uniquely. So if you've... Joined us thus far, we already covered uh, from the beginning of the movie of The Fellowship to Frodo um, just about to get into Rivendell. And today we're going all the way from the council to the uh, 
before Lorien, I should say. Yeah, uh, basically the the end of Moria. Yeah, the end of the Moria sequence. So, are you ready to talk about it? Spoiler alert, Frodo made it, guys. Oh, I can't believe. I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> but Arwen was crying. And giving away her essence for, you know, the, the <laughs> third time already. You know what, though? I do have a question of when Gandalf actually got to Rivendell. Like, when did he get there? Because he said, a couple more hours, you would have been beyond our aid. What did you do, Gandalf? Were you there, bro? Yeah. Like, I feel like he's taking a lot of credit for Elrond actually healing him. Yeah, is Gandalf a healer? I'm certain that Gandalf can do something. Yeah. I'm sure a wizard can cast healing. Is he, a, is he one of the, was he like in the back seat of like the surgery room with, uh, with Elrond? Like, hey, um, that looks bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's the our only chance, Elrond. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the intending on. Don't tell him, but I'm gonna make him do this whole journey by himself. <laughs> Cheap surgery, just like, oh, you sure you want to do that? Uh, I saw a great, like, was well, probably a Tumblr post at the time where someone's like, "Follow me on this one." Gandalf isn't a wizard. He's a high-level fighter who knows spells. Which I, mean, I kind of like that. There's an argument there. He can, he does wield a sword. He can fight. He can get, get up in the melee front of it. Yeah. I, th I think it's more that he's a dual class, probably. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he probably is high-level wizard with some fighting capability who found a sword basically i mean isn't the sword that he wields from That's the glandering. hobbit yeah yeah i always wondered i mean i guess like they you know they write kind of in the hobbit where you know he, uh thorin gets orcrist and he gets glamdring but like glamdring also glows white when orcs are around and they never do that in the movie mm. Is that and true? I did not remember that. I th I'm pretty sure. Well, they're all elven made. That's yeah. this is a, a reminder. This is the, the the swords, and this is where he finds Sting. Um, they find it in the loot bin of the trolls, and it's all this elven made yeah. stuff. Um. So I have to point this out because. Finally, you know, Sam, he's never left your side, but he wasn't by your side in this moment. I thought that was very funny. I've always found that very funny. Like, Sam never left Frodo's side, and but he's not right. there when he wakes up. He's in the mess hall real quick. <laughs> well, that's exactly right, because when Frodo is walking about and meets Mary and Pippin, Mary's mouth is full of food. Oh, yeah. Mary, <laughs> Mary, Mary and Pippin got to Rivendell, you know, a, a day or two later, and we're just like, oh, is he good? Okay, uh, where's the food? <laughs> well, I mean, because for sure they're eating. They, Frodo is asleep for weeks. Yes. And so they are, any weight that they might have lost on their journey. Oh, the, they've the, gained back and then some. The hobbits have gained it back. And it's so special to that Bilbo moment. You know, one of the things I'm realizing, and tell me if, if you're experiencing the same thing, especially because we're like scrutinizing it rather than just like sitting down and watching it. A lot of these like small, there's a lot of small scenes that I forget happen and they happen pretty quickly too. Mm -hmm. Like, 
He just sees Bilbo. Or like even, you know, Aragorn going to visit his mom's statue is very short. Like, Yeah. How do you feel about um, – I do want to get back to Bilbo. But how do you feel about the Aragorn mom statue? Because it, it does kind of – like, you know, we went over Aragorn and said that she was still alive uh, in this time. That's right. Um, like, how do you, do you like the, the rewrite and like, it, it really dives into when he says, you know, I never wanted, I never wanted the throne or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, where we end up, obviously, are they just trying to lengthen the hero's journey for him? Well, why kill the mother when he could have that scene with just Elrond too? Yeah. I, I, although I guess what you're trying... My question is, does that scene actually land as what is actually happening? Unless you've seen it several times. That's the thing is, I don't think it lands because I think the scene before um, with him, with Sean Bean and him, like with with their first meeting, like, no, he doesn't say who he is. But, you know, he does honor Narsil. Like, he's like, hey, don't touch Narsil. Like, he does respect his lineage and he knows it's there. And he's and he's more for me, it's more of like he's afraid, like he's afraid that he's not going to live up to it. Like right. he knows it's there. But she says that to Arwen. Yeah. He's like, I, it's in my blood, like this cowardice, like this betrayal, like all this is in my blood and I can't overcome it. Uh, it's almost like it's like anxiety, like it, right. almost like and and then the scene is like, I've never wanted it. It's almost I don't know. Those scenes kind of clash for me a little bit with like tone and like what he's saying. It might be, I've watched this movie too many times, so I'm looking too, it's not that serious, bro. But I don't know. For me, those those tone, like watching it this time, it felt like they clashed a little bit where Aragorn knows that it's what he should do, but he doesn't know if he can do it rather than him not wanting to do it. I think they're just like layering on the pressure. And I I mean, obviously, if you're not watching the extended versions, you don't get that cutscene with the mom, I believe. And, no, that's that's definitely extended. And you don't you like severely don't need it. And what I would have much rather had let's say keep that scene but let's deepen the relationship and the bond between him and Elrond so that when Elrond tells him you can't have my daughter for X, Y, and Z or whatever later in the film, it actually is more impactful. Like, yeah, I, I get it that it would probably be impossible to um, detail the nuance of relationship. Like, OK, I'm into your daughter, but I also see you as a dad. You know, no, it, it, do, it does work. You know, him saying like, oh, like when she brought you here and stuff like that. And I don't know. I feel like they could have could have done that. Um, maybe in the, the Sean Bean scene, like, hey, I was like raised here or something like that. I was raised by Elrond. I the wonder L's. what like, it is that it does that doesn't work. It maybe it might be the quickness of it, too. Yeah. Um, like that. I guess that's exactly my point is some of these scenes happen like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I, and I remember them luxuriating them, and or or I forget that those scenes happen. It's really interesting. It's, and the fact that there's more, like that—that's the crazy part. Is that I like there's a, a I remember seeing a scene where you know we're gonna get to Lorien next episode, but there's a scene where you see Haldir and the Lorien elves like picking arrows out of like dead orcs in Lorien. And then, you know, there's the scene where Eowyn fights orcs in the glittering caves, like stuff that they shot, but they didn't, nothing went into post. Right. So it didn't, so the fact that there's still more they could have added is so crazy. 
I, and the only other thing I'll say about the mom scene too is, unfortunately, um, the marble imagery of a mother sitting like that is so akin to the Michelangelo statue of Mary holding Jesus yes, that I, absolutely. I, it's it almost takes me out of it. And I'm like, wait, that's his mom. And if I'm not paying attention, it's I think confusing. they did that on purpose because Mary Magdalene is like the kind of the key. But not Mary Magdalene, but uh, Mother oh, Mary. Yeah, Mother Mary. Uh, like they, it's such a key symbol of just like motherhood in general. So it's just like everyone will know exactly what we're trying to show in like because they only show the statue itself for like one or two seconds. And does and that so, mean Aragorn's Jesus? Is that is that the, is? Yeah, I mean he's the savior. Yeah. I guess that's fair. I think I'm bothered. It looks like Jesus. <laughs> it looks a lot like Jesus. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair. Could it's all Chad there. Kroger have played Aragorn? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I was thinking the Killers, bro. The Sam's Town. Sam's Town. He looks a lot like Jesus, buddy. Oh no, no, I'm I'm just saying like Chad Kroger when Nickelback first came out, like he had like the long hair. Did he look like Jesus? Look, look up. Okay, y'all, I will send you a picture right That's great. now. Let's like, do it. It is crazy. That's, well, I think you're right, but again, I don't like that allegory. I don't think we need that imagery. That there might be multiple reasons why this season or this uh, image doesn't work or this little scene. Uh, but yeah, let's go back to. We see Bilbo. It's so touching. Bilbo has... It's so good. And this is where I wonder, you know, they kind of play fast and loose with, like, the time and stuff. Like, do you... Th what, what did we Chad say? Chad Kroger looks like Dax Shepard. I don't know, bro. <laughs> it's the hair. He does look like Dax Shepard for sure, but just, like, it, the hair for me just, like... I understand. It's yeah. too blonde, but I get you. Um, but do you... How long do you think it's been since Bilbo left the Shire? Because he has aged. Again, we had this problem when we were talking about the first part of the movie. How much time has truly passed? It's probably been a few months. Yeah, when in that's reality, in the book, it's 10, 15 years. Or, you know, 20 years. 20 years. That's right. Um, but that's what we were kind of trying to figure out in the Gollum episode. How soon would Gollum have deteriorated if he didn't get cast into the fire at Mount Doom? You it, know? Must, it, it would have been so fast because if we're going by this logic, it's 18 months or maybe two years. I'll give hmm. it two full years when Bilbo is in that carriage going to the Grey Havens. Hey, stop it. She's on full goblin mode right now. <laughs> but, um... So two years and Bilbo is decrepit, like can't like, you know, like he stands can't up open straight his to, eyes. Yeah, can't open his eyes, constantly napping uh, to be fair. You know, he, he'll be have been, you know, 113, 114. So he's, he's earned uh, all of his nap times. Um, but we'll say that. But so I think like Golem would have had like six months, maybe. You know what, though? But Golem lived without the ring for like. 40, 50 years. And this is just Bilbo without the ring. The but it was still there. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I think that. And then Bilbo all of a sudden, once we, I think we assume that once the ring is. Yeah, I think the look, fire, once the, it's the same thing. Like it just like. Pew, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Bilbo has aged, but also had enough time to finish the book. So we're just. Also, I, I wrote this down. What did Bilbo think was going to happen? <laughs> the one like and. 
Frodo also says on one of your adventures, he went on one adventure. Unless, you know, there's like a bunch of non-stuff. Like There know. is. No, no. So he would go out and um, he actually would take Frodo on like day journeys okay. or like, but but he would go out on trips and go visit the dwarves and stuff. Like, um, it, I might be misremembering exactly what he did, but he would go disappear for some time okay. and come back. Yeah. I'll allow that. Totally fine. Yeah. Bilbo, you're not going back to Erebor. <laughs> what happened the first time you went to Erebor? You almost died like 25 times. <laughs> and this was like during the watchful peace. This is during peacetime. Sure. And you're getting messed up by stone giants, by mountain goblins, by wolves, everything. You think you were just going to stroll through the Misty Mountains all the way to Erebor through Lake Town? And visit the. You want to stroll through Mirkwood with the spiders? Are you. How much weed have you smoked since you got home, bro? God, it's rose colored glasses. That is. It really is. I get it. I totally get it, Bilbo. I'm with you. But check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself, my dude. I mean, he's got to be remembering it while he's writing these entries, too. Yeah. Oh man, I was almost eaten by a spider. Oh, Can't wait I to go, go back. back to that forest. Like what? Well, I was like delusion and high and lost and dehydrated and starved and abandoned on a canopy. And then and- all my friends. Oh, I want to go back to Lorien. I mean to to Mirkwood. Oh, where all your friends were kidnapped for months and jailed with no trial. I do think he would be able to travel with the elves, though. Like I think. Oh yeah, if he had a, if he had a caravan for sure. Like, but they're going the opposite direction. Yeah, it's true. It's true. That's such a good point. Like, what what do you miss about that? Yeah, he's like good old daising himself, right? It's, it's like he's such a boomer. He's such a. He's <laughs> like you should be like me, son. Oh, uh, back in my day, I could afford a house only by one hobbit income. <laughs> By you know a good a good firm hobbit handshake bought me bag end. <laughs> and giving him his mithril, he's rich, bro. He's so it's... like doesn't even blink at it. He's like, oh yeah, I've got this. You know this he thing. Doesn't even know quick. how expensive it is. Oh, and thank you to um, friend of the podcast Ulrich over at Geeks with Shields. Uh, they shared in our Discord that there is a money currency gold exchange to some extent. In um, I did remember I, there's one scene that has actual currency exchange, and it's where when the dwarves are with Bard on the boat, they give him coin. Ah, so, and they're like, "Oh, cough it up," and then I think Dwalin's like, "Oh, I'm I'm bled dry," and then he sees Erebor, and he's like, "Oh, take it all, take all my coins." So that's the right. one money exchange. There's treasure everywhere. There's all gold I mean, and everything. I mean, Stephen Fry is sitting on piles yeah, of it, there, too. There is definitely money, but there's one, like, currency exchange that I can think of, and it was that scene. Sure, sure. And I'm sure you could give that guy a goose and, and travel, too. You know what I mean? If, like, if that's all you had and you had... Yeah, exactly. But it should be a coin. So it's interesting, too. It's only been an hour and a half since we had seen Bilbo, and it's... So it's a beautiful moment. It really is. And that's why I feel like you do need these extended editions because like the the theatrical editions, it's maybe 30 minutes. It's really not much time. And so it's like, you know, the the beautiful music and especially where in the movie, it does feel like six weeks maybe have passed. And so like that's that. I mean, you don't need someone. You don't need like a 
timer in the corner going, and now 17 hours later, you know, but it is confusing the passage of time, but you do believe that there's been some significant amount of time enough. Yeah. That, well, also to be fair to Frodo in this moment, he has no idea where Bilbo is, where he went. Like, is there, there's a betrayal in that. He does. They Gendalf never says he's gone to stay with the elves. When does he say that? Uh, keep it secret, keep it safe. Like right before he leaves for that. Oh, does he actually say that? Thank you for yeah. reminding me. It's like, I, oh, Bilbo's ring. He's but, gone to stay with the elves. But Bilbo didn't say, Bilbo didn't like confide in Frodo. He did say, oh, I no. chose. So it's kind of like. It is a special moment when someone ghosts you. I'd be like, bro, you, you could have told me. It's so sad. Like. Yeah. I, Jessica, who was raised by a narcissist, couldn't handle that kind of abandonment. So it'd be tough, man. Like yeah. your benefactor, like your father figure, just like dips one night and with no the, warning. Were you the one who t- was telling me that there's a conspiracy theory as to how Frodo's parents died? Oh yeah, but for me, it's it's not great. Like it's like Gollum killed his parents while they were fishing or something like that. But it's like oh, so. He came to the Shire, killed them, and then left forever and never came back looking for the ring? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's fair. So in between the jump scare of Bilbo <laughs> trying to grab his uh, nephew's chest, we have a scene. Another I- jump scare moment. Oh, my gosh. That messed me up in theaters. Like- I was. That's exactly my note, too, is I don't know anything has – granted, I'm not going to see scary movies. Yeah. Nothing has scared me more in a movie no, theater. There, there's something to be said. You know, we, we talked about Sam Raimi and Spider-Man last week and stuff like that. But, again, like you get these horror directors. And I feel like horror directors have such a good grasp on filmmaking in general that they can make non-horror movies. But they incorporate these horror elements into it. And this is such a perfect example where – this isn't in the book. This is not. This is, this is totally Peter Jackson coming up with this, and on top of that, making like the CGI face, like l- him literally turn to Gollum for half a second is all you need. And I will say, Frodo's reaction is not big enough for me. Like, sure. I'm sorry if my <laughs> uncle slash father just grew sharp teeth and like hollowed out eyes for half a second while he lunged for me. I, I don't know if I could hug him right after. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me, though. <laughs> or just casually button up my, my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely be out the room <laughs> for yeah. sure. But yeah, one. I think something that makes it such. I would good- take this Mithril to go. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Can you back it up for me? <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, horrifying because it's also like the last thing that you expect to happen in that moment. But in between the. That and Bilbo and all that, we get a scene that I totally forget happens where Elrond's like, bro, I can't help you. Like, Sauron's looking at Rivendell. I love this scene. This is another – I do. I love this scene because it's more exposition of just like – and it really puts in dire straits where the world is. Sure. And it like – because we don't know much about Sauron. You know, like, yeah, a wizard turned bad, but, you know, it's Christopher Lee. So for us in the audience, it's not really, like, that big of a surprise because it's Christopher Lee. Like, we all, <laughs> the moment, you know, he's, like, talking down again. I'm like, oh, you too freaking high to realize that the ring was right under your nose, you dumb dumb. Like, right. okay, bye. I'm bad now, by the way. Okay. Start breakdancing. <laughs> um, but so, like, it wasn't a big – I don't know. I do wonder – 
again, like, you know, people always talk about, like, what's a movie you, you'd love to see for the first time? And there's so many, you know, and I, I do wonder with fresh, you know, non-book eyes, like, were people surprised that this betrayal happened? But I'm going to say no. No, so because I, it's, it's, like, within one scene. Too. Yeah, it's, there, there's no, like, Saruman, like, base scene. It's like, okay, we're, we're starting with the betrayal. 100%. Um, and so I like that he's kind of like laying out like, okay, he's building a huge army as well. We already have a huge army going against us. We're leaving. Like we're elves are done. You don't have your magical, mythical, most fairest, wisest beings to lean on anymore. We're out of here. And, and you know, <laughs> is his prejudice of dwarves can't help but come up real quick. He's like, no, they care nothing. They care nothing of the troubles of the world. They're in their mountains digging for gold. No, <laughs> <So> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, his disdain for men is higher. It is. And it's because, like, I just love that men are weak. Like, he doesn't even get upset about it. He's just like, Ugh. It's like, it's, um... What is it? It's, you know, that Ryan Gosling gif from Crazy Stupid Love when Steve Carell opens his Velcro wallet. He's just like, oh, <laughs> men. <laughs> he gets so, Elrond gets so sassy when he's like, men are weak. And that's why I love, that's why I love Hugo Weavings because he can do the, the, the crazy over the top, you know, giving Anduril to Aragorn. And he can do the subtle stuff. Just, men are weak. I think that's a really good point. I don't know that you could point me in the direction of another English actor at the peak of their like beauty being able to pull off what Hugo Weaving does in yes. these movies. I don't think that person exists besides and that's him. It, like there, there's so many movies where you're at you're you're told to believe like, oh yeah, that person's an elf. And you're like, okay, that's just, you know, sure. so and so with pointy ears on. Like all the, like you could tell me that like Hugo Weaving Liv Tyler, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett, all these people never acted again because they're actually elves. And I'd be like, you know what? That makes sense. You mean also Brett McKenzie? Yes. Brett McKenzie is an elf. And Twice. then and then never becomes it. Like he like he ages in such a way that he'll never be an elf again. <laughs> well, he's an elf in both movies. Both I know. No, yeah. I know, but yeah. he's so much more a hobbit than he is anything else, but they really I will like he's so wayfish when he's like Lady Arwen, yeah. you have to keep going. Like, bro, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> he is so I'm so fair. glad Peter Jackson was like, okay, we're going to put you in some armor this time and like give you some shoulder pads because... Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? Uh, they, who's the one that fell in love with Tal Perry? And what's her name? Uh, no, you know who I'm talking about. You know, in the Hobbit movie, which... Dwarf fell oh, in Evangeline Lily. Yeah, he would have fallen. The, that dwarf would have fallen in love with Brett McKenzie's character oh, instead. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I was not being able to find words. Not Tal Perrion. What is her name in that? I thought you said Tyler Perry. I was like, wait, Tyler. <laughs> I'd love to see Tyler Perry in these movies. Like, oh my god, could you imagine? Okay, oh. I just I'm listening to Blink Check and like someone. Oh no, I was listening to a podcast and it was like a, a movie lawyer draft. And someone uh, talked about drafting Tyler Perry from Gone Girl. And I'm just like, oh, he's so good in that movie. And he's a really good movie lawyer. Like, I, I wish Tyler Perry would do more non-Medea things. Because he's like a legitimately talented actor. I think he's too busy, honestly. Oh, yeah. He's like a billionaire producer or everything like that. But just like whenever he pops up 
in like non Tyler Perry stuff. He's right. like really like he's, he's so great. good in Star Trek. Like his one thing where it's like, oh, hey Tyler Perry, uh, you know, commander of the the Starfleet. Is it Discovery like, that he's in? No, he's in the first JJ movie. Oh my god! See, he like totally melts into a role. Yeah, that's he's what's so interesting because he could do these characters and then completely melts into a role. Huh? I mean, hey, that's the dream. Like underpaying your actors and becoming a billionaire and yeah. everything. And then yelling at them when it's not the way you want it to be, but your gross yeah. billion dollars in a film. Hey, you know, good for him. <laughs> Capitalism, baby. It's so yeah. good. It's got to work for the people it works for. Um, yeah. So you ha- and what's interesting, too, about the scene with Elrond and Ga- Gandalf is without any explanation, Boromir and Legolas just ride in. Like... But I, it's... It one, works, though. It, it works so well. And just, like... Going back to it, it makes sense that uh, Elrond doesn't... Okay, it makes sense that he doesn't trust men because he was there when the the strength of men failed. He was he grew up with Elendil. He grew up with the Numenorians. Right. He right. saw the best of the best. Yes. Um, and that's the first thing he says to Gandalf is the, the, new, the Numenorian blood is all but spent. Yeah. It's pretty much gone. Uh, what is it? Scattered. Leaderless. Like, he, just the way he, like, <laughs> rattles off these words is so great. Um... But then, can I ask, why didn't Elrond stop Isildur? Well, like, I'm not asking him to, like, stab him in the back or anything like that. But, like, he could have taken the ring and just, like, thrown it and been like, you know what? You're done. Bye. And by the time it hits the lava, Isildur, like, the the spell's broken. He's fine. Right. I, I, in this moment, I was thinking, Elrond, throw him into the fire. (laughs) Like, just body check him. Now, to be fair, in the books and the lore, the scene goes much differently. Elrond says to Isildur, hey, you know what? Mount Doom's like right there. We should just like go cast it in the fire. And Isildur's like, no, this is my uh, guilt wear. Like you can take it if he claims it because his father was was killed in battle. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of claim, even though Elrond did like try to counsel him like, hey, you should probably get rid of this. They also thought they had won at that time, and they didn't know, I think, the extent of what the ring... In in the movie, Elrond knows exactly what that ring's capable of. Yeah. In the lore, he no one's really quite sure. To the same extent that, like, Gandalf doesn't know, even if that's the ring. Do you know what I mean? Like, no yeah. one really thought there was, like, this power of Sauron lurking in the depths. So... For dramatic purposes, it totally works. And Elrond was right there. Right there. Should have ca- thrown him into the fire. Should have body checked him. Should have grabbed the ring. If if that's what Elrond knew needed to be hap- need- needed to happen. It's possible. Also, Elrond makes a mistake and he feels guilty about that. And he's projecting all of this guilt onto the fallacies of men. It's possible. That's doing it's a possible. lot of it's doing a lot of legwork for, you know. Nothing that's being said in this moment, but yeah. that's the only other explanation I could find for it. Now, I will say this. It is odd for the disdain that he experiences toward Isildur. Why is there a mural in Rivendell of him? <laughs> there it, should- there, yeah, uh, it's it, it's a lot. And just like this whole monument of like the sword considering like if they know what they know it's like oh it's like having a mural of like 
the 18 and 0 Patriots, even though they lost the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, cool. You were undefeated all season, but you lost the big game. 100%. Here's a mural for you. <laughs> of the losers carrying the cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's That's just a like, really no, good no point. one cares if you won the AFC if you didn't win the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, what do you think Elrond should have done? What I think could he, he should have taken the ring. I think he could have, like, you know, jousted Isildur. Like, pinned him down, like, surrender the ring, kick it off the side. Because he know, probably couldn't have touched it and not have been corrupted as well, too. Like, everyone I think that is Elrond was. I think Elrond could have. Sure. I mean, I don't he, think he could have, like, taken the ring to Mount Doom. I don't, th- I don't know if he could have endured that. But he could have been like, eh, just like, you know, maybe, like, with his sword, like, golf club it into, uh, sure. into Mount Doom or something like that. But, um, yeah, I think, he, you know, there, there's so many... <laughs> there's, Elrond is a skilled enough uh, combatant that he could have non-lethally defeated Isildur. And and then, you know, when they climb down the mountain with, you know, him slung over his shoulder unconscious, but, like, eh, bro's gonna be bros. Like, right. <laughs> like, what is their argument all the way down the mountain? It's like, Isildur, come on, just turn around. Like, yeah, take def- one of his fingers. Take the, <laughs> like, the crown is right there on the ground, mounted on, like, the your giant Gondorian throne. Like... You have plenty of trophies. We can we can go into the towers of Barador right now and just loot the crap out of it. There's plenty of other trophies you can take besides the one thing I just destroyed. And see how all the towers are falling? It's a good idea. It's, this is this is going to be great. We're, yeah. This is the plan. I will say to you brought up, you know, the elves are done. This is their time. Elrond has every right to leave and he really is sticking it like he's sticking his neck out for as he's long as on possible. Overtime. Yeah. Yes. So he's not perfect. I think that's going to be my takeaway from our analyzing this scene. But he also has put the time in to fight for humans that aren't also very perfect. He is fighting for the the earth that he is no longer going to be a part of. It's and fascinating that, that, to me. It's a lot. It says a lot. And that says a lot of the people that are in power right now that do not give a crap about it and are just lining their pockets. That's um, very po- that's very true. Uh, because and even more so in the book, you know, where he sends his son with Aragorn, and like the sons of Elrond are like on, you know, in in Return of the King when they're surrounded by the armies of Mordor and like right like just you know baiting them out so Frodo can cross. Sons of Elrond are there, right? Like sons of Elrond are in it, like ready to die for Middle Earth, with- just. To give Frodo the smallest window of opportunity to, to get across Mordor. With every right to instead go to Greyhaven. I will say this, though. Like, what are they fighting for if they think men are weak and aren't going to be able to take care of the earth the way it's supposed to be? And dwarves, you know, like, elves are going to be gone. They hardly know hobbits exist. What are they fighting for with this earth in general? I think it's more so in the book, Aragorn doesn't go on this hero's journey. Aragorn, mm. uh, when the hobbits meet him at the Prancing Pony, he's got a broken sword. He's already carrying Narsil when right. they meet him. Right. He's already got it. And when they form the fellowship, they reforge the sword right, right then and there. And so the, the whole hero's journey is much bigger in the movies, which I, I like. I like the story choice. I think it works. Oh, yeah. Um. But, uh, like, I don't know. 
I understand what you're saying, but like it, for me, it makes it makes sense. But well, I'm more it, just asking a question. Like, what yeah. is it that they feel like? If you're going to present to us the elves have no stake in this claim, what are what is what do they care about the ring then? What do they care about Sauron? Why not just let him take over this land? You know, the wisest and fairest beings. They care about the the earth. They they're so in touch with the earth itself that they know that they're seeing what Saruman is doing to Fangorn. And they're like, no, you can't tear down all the trees right, and the right. forests and everything. Like, we need to save the actual earth. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so I think we we all know about Arwen and Aragorn exchanging mortality. Um, very funny to me that the first line is Arwen going, do you remember when we first saw each other? Aragorn was a child, I believe, when they first met. <laughs> You're a predator. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he was brought to Rivendell yeah, he when he was, was a kid. Well, was he, yeah, but then, like, she but was she in, wasn't there, right. She wasn't there. They she met with when grandma. he was 18, which, you know, it's Middle, it's middle Earth, like, okay. Like, He's probably <laughs> looking at, like, a statue of her somewhere, too. Yeah. Like, who knows? But Bro, is that your sister? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, that is giving me flashbacks. My brother could date all of my friends, and I could never date any of his friends. That was the double standard of being Love in. It. Yep. It's just what it was. I'm so glad I didn't date his friends. They were so dumb. But I never could keep a friendship because all the girls wanted to date my brother. Um, anyway, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't Arwen in this. Uh, Very few people are. So that's, that's, fair. A, that's a tough standard to hold yourself. All I to. wanted to be was her. So I have a question though. What? What was the point in the council scene? Of Gandalf using the black speech when Boromir stood up to take the ring. Kind of like heat checking him a little bit. Like, I don't know. Because he even says, I wouldn't dare speak this tongue when they cast the uh, ring to the fire at Frodo's house. Yeah. And it is like the first step that the first time Boromir's talking and Gandalf's like, Hell no. It's kind of crazy. Well, that's the thing is, that, like, that's why, like, the extended edition, it, it definitely works in, in so many ways. And I'll never, I never want to watch the theatrical again. But just, like, it feels like when Boromir stands up and is about to touch it, Gandalf, black speech, and then he sits down. And then, and then Boromir immediately responds <laughs> with, no, it's a gift. It's like that almost doesn't, like, the time, like, for someone to literally utter the most foul like phrases and words and then for you to just be like nah fam you're wrong it's like what no what <laughs> Gandalf literally he gets Boromir gets back up immediately after yeah, Elrod yeah like Gandalf like his voice like I'm sorry Master Elrod I do not ask for y'all like the voices in this cause like when when Aragorn says it has no other master it almost feels like he's got like a one of those frogs or bubbles in his throat and yeah, I've always noticed I, that. I'm I, like, I, I, you couldn't, you couldn't do another take on that. <laughs> like, it has no other master. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some on the on the cutting room floor that we're. I'm done. telling, I'm telling everybody to watch. Just watch the Counts of Elrond again. Listen to any other line Viggo Mortensen says in this movie. He's got the most soothing voice ever. But when he says. It only answers to Sauron alone. It has no other master. It's so, it's always <laughs> bugged me that they couldn't either in post or something 
retake this line, and I don't know why they left this cut in. That's so interesting. It is, like, incongruent with who he is completely. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and that's the thing, is that, like, I, I, Sean Bean, I honestly think I think Sean Bean carries the entire council on his back. From, like, I love, you know, like, oh, the, I love that they, they brought in, like, his dream, because that's such an important part. That's literally sure. why he's there, is because of his dream. Um, and then, no, it is a gift. And then I like, I do like it, you know, it, it does really plant the seeds of like him being the one to betray them. Uh, but just like, uh, you know, Gondor has defended you for so long. Like, yeah, congrats. You're waking up to the threat of Mordor. We've been living this. Mm -hmm. This is our next door neighbor across the street that we've been dealing with this whole time. And y'all are now just talking about it. Congrats. Welcome to the fight. Welcome to the revolution here. Um, and then, you know, the, the, uh, one does not simply walk in. Like he has like three amazing speeches yeah. yes. that just Sean Bean just comes out of the gate swinging with. And I'm like, this is why you hired this guy. You know, what's this actually kind of sad though, because Peter Jackson has gone on record, whether jokingly or, lovingly uh it was like we wrote sean bean's speech the night before so he oh yeah he's got a script it. in his lap yeah but like don't burn him out like that man like i'm for me it's almost a compliment sure. that someone could be like doing this like hit like you know the the infamous gif where he's like put got his hand in his head he's looking and down at his lap He's looking at the script, it's and so he's good. still giving that performance. Bro is a professional. <laughs> like that's why I'm always like when auditions are like must be off book, completely memorized. I'm like, do you? I'm gonna put the lines in my umbrella when I do this scene, you know. And also, it's like like Robert Downey Jr. had an earpiece in for the judge, and like the judge isn't the greatest movie, but he's still pretty good performance. <laughs> that's actually amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. It, Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, and if you're Robert Downey Jr., you can do whatever you want. And if you're Sean Bean, you can make it look like these words you've been pouring over them all day long. Exactly. Um, I do think it's funny, though, that Peter Jackson's like, this guy? <sighs> but you're right. It is, it is a compliment, ultimately. Um, another thing, I think, I think my favorite, mo I might say this multiple times, and it happens differently in the book. But my favorite moment of all three movies, I think, is Frodo saying, I'll take the ring and Gandalf being sad for him in that moment. He knew, like, you know, even when Elrond suggested, he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of shown a little resistance to it. He's like, you can't. You can't ask him to do more. He's already been stabbed by a Nazgul. Like, he's done his part. But it is such a... Ian McKellen was nominated for this performance, and I'm so glad he was because there's so many like this his his face work in this movie is unmatched. It is so so good, um, and you're right like that that just like crushing like because it is it's almost like a comedy beat when he says like one of you must do this, and there's like a solid like two seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. It's like, and luckily that's when, you know, like Sean Bean comes in. So like it kind of grounds you back to like, oh no, this is really, this is serious. But it's like a little joke beat. It's like, one of you must do this. And it's like a wide shot of the council and like no one's moving or looking. It's like you're trying to avoid the teacher when he's like, oh, who's got the answer? You have to, 
Oh, what's uh oh my god, I never noticed that thing in the corner over there. Hey, that, that, is, that is great. That is something else up there. Hmm, look at that. I'm not gonna look at Elrond right now. Because <laughs> you know whoever he's gonna catch eye contact with. Yeah. It's like, be- oh, you want it? You want the ring? <laughs> but uh but yeah, it is it is. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a really, really good just reaction shot uh from Ian McKellen. And immediately like it's like, all right. Then uh, as long as this uh, burden is yours to bear, I'll help you bear it. And then Aragorn comes in. And I love Legolas being the ultimate hype man for Aragorn. It's like, this is no mere ranger. And he's like, he says, this is Aragorn, son of Arathorn. And then as soon as Boromir is like, oh, uh, the heir to the He's like, yeah, the heir to the throne of Gondor. You <laughs> little bee. You owe him your allegiance. Bow down. Like... Take a seat. Who the hell are you? An elf hyping up a human. Let's go. Right? And, Dude, and like, it's the first time Boromir's cowed, too. It really yes. is. Be- and I really think it's because Aragorn doesn't lead with his leadership here. You know? No, he's- it works. And he's like, you know, sit down, Legolas. Like, I, like you didn't need to do that. Uh, like, But it's so much better. It's like, so much better. When, it's so good. When someone says what you're good at for you and you don't have to. I had to learn this early on as an actor. I never tell people I'm an actor. I always let someone else go, oh, my God, she was just in this play. Or, you know, like, it's so much better, especially in L.A. Oh, my God, I saw her on TikTok doing Michael. She's so good. Okay, all right. Uh, Then we cut to Elrond (laughs) saying this is the fellowship. Uh, We're going to do a quick break here. And uh, in our break, can you do an ad for Michael for us Uh, for a quick break? um, Hey, guys, this is Michael. Uh, I'm on... uh, my Nintendo Switch right now because my mom took away my phone, but I still have internet access. Uh, and I just want to let you guys know that uh, if you subscribe to the Patreon, then uh, my mom said I'll get my phone back. I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bad thing, but uh, I think it's a really good thing because uh, I need to buy some V-Bucks for Fortnite <laughs> uh, because uh, Chun-Li just got back in the, in the shop and I really like her. So, uh, okay, back to the podcast. <laughs> we'll see you in a second. <laughs> Welcome back. If you don't know who Michael is, you're probably better off. Uh, but that was a pretty great rendition of it. Uh, uh, everyone subscribe so Michael can get his phone back so we can get more Michael. Uh, and something I always forget to do is uh, shout out to Arsenal Roy 2K, who's at our nine uh, rings for men tier on our Patreon. So this is your shout out, Arsenal. You too could get forgotten about. If you <laughs> join our <laughs> Patreon at that level. Um, but yes, Elrond says the thing, wishes them goodbye, and then it's okay. off. Left or A right. Secret meeting uh-huh. before. Like, it, was there security at the door? Because, like, Sam's in the bushes. <laughs> Do you think, like, Legolas knew he was there? Or Aragorn knew he was there and just didn't say anything? Or. <laughs> So you're suggesting that Aragorn is more aware than like Elrond is or like or like security at like the halls? Something like, you know, it's a secret meeting. Like I know Rivendell's probably like bigger than we think, but, you know, you just, did Sam just follow them there or something? So here's what I here's what I think is more accurate that 
hobbits are like sneaky and quiet. They are sneaky. And they're short and they're little. And what what's more interesting to me is like Sam's like, wait, where's Frodo going? And Frodo's got to be like, uh, I got to go do something, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. Like I, I me and Gandalf got to talk. And Sam is just like weaving in and out of the columns of Rivendell until he gets to where they are. And what's even funnier to me is that Merry and Pippin are there as well. I think that's just, they're just going to find themselves in the right place at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't think that like anyone knew that they were there, but that's primarily because hobbits are pretty quiet in general, canonically. That's fair. I'll accept it. You'll accept it. Thank God you'll accept it. I'll, ex- I'll allow it. Could you imagine if you like actually didn't value some of my opinions? <laughs> this would be a, diff- <laughs> this would be a different like, podcast. Because like it's one thing like Sam's like in the bushes, but like Mary and Pippa are just around the corner. They're just right there. <laughs> right. 100%. They're, they're right behind Aragorn. Yeah. Like, I think th- I understand what you're saying. Like Sam's they, like, right behind Legolas. Mary Pippin do like the Scooby Doo like one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Put poking their head out. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It's like they were eating. Were they eating back there the whole time too? <laughs> more, more than likely, because Pippin obviously didn't know what was happening. Like, <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> yeah, that is like a perfect beat to end disc one. Like, right. So where are we going? <laughs> yeah, it's so, so, so wonderful. Uh, we already talked about this, though. We were, were given um, Mithril and Sting. We see uh, Aragorn with his mother. And then exactly like you said, uh, Hugo Weaving can do the screw, the screw the humans and also farewell. This is your journey. Yes. I love the pomp about this. Like, someone, everyone must have said, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Okay, before you get, you're ready to go, I'm going to say a speech. So everyone let me know when you're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And it's great. And then it's it, there is a lot of pomp in this moment, but it really works, especially when Gandalf's like, well, we're waiting for you, Frodo. You lead the way. And it's like, poor, poor Right. Frodo. I do like the left or right. Uh, it's like, I wish they I don't think that's in the... I don't... Like, it's so... There's... Things that I know for sure, like in the extended cut only. I don't know if this is, though, the left or right thing. It'd be a mistake to cut it out. Yeah. Because it's such a good beat end for that, too. And it really does betray just how out of his element Frodo is and why he's the perfect person for this job. Yeah, he's so great. It's so wonderful. I do have a question, though. So, like, we see them kind of, like, on their journey. We kind of get a... For the first time ever, we are given them an amount of time it's going to take to get to a specific place. What is their goal? Where are they trying to get? They're going to the Gap of Rohan. To, that's the goal is to get to the Gap of Rohan. We, don't, we know we want to get to Mordor. As far as these people think, the, the Fellowship, they, their goal is to get to Mordor. So in order to do that, they want to get to the Gap of Rohan. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think like there's like some some narration of Gandalf. Like, okay, we, we make for the Gap of Rohan. We stay on this journey, stay on this path for a while, and then we turn east to Mordor. Yeah, because they don't want to go too close to Isengard. Yeah. Which I thought was close to the Gap of Rohan. So well, I'm that's confused. the thing is that like they, I think. They don't know – they know Saruman is building an army or Gandalf knows that. But I don't – I don't know. When, like, Saruman's – you know, they're they're on the cliff and, you know, Boromir's training Merry and Pippin and, like, the, the, the crows come in um, and just, like, 
I don't know why Gandalf is surprised. Like, oh, spies of Saruman. And then they, they make, he immediately veers to the mountain. Right. And then when the mountains, you know, like beating the crap out of him and Saruman blizzards them and stuff. Uh, he's like, oh, uh, we make for the Gap of Rowan. He's like, oh, it brings us too close to Isengard. It's like, well, that was the original plan. I don't, I don't know. I it, see. Okay, so maybe they just didn't realize how ready Saruman was to, like, stop them or aware of what they were doing. Yeah. Perhaps. I guess, like, they try – I think Gandalf knew and he was, like, trying to go under the radar. But once mm. Saruman found them with the, the Krebine – Krebine from Dunland. I always like that line. It's so good. Um, uh, then, then he was like, oh, well, the jig is up. We're, we no longer have stealth from Saruman, so we got to take the mountain pass. And I didn't know you had to climb a mountain to get over it. I feel like, you know, to get to like, did you have to get to the peak? And like, go straight up and then straight down a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in Middle Earth, that's the only way. Yeah, it's very true. It's, very, uh, it's canonically proven. Um, but Karadis... Kar- is the mountain that they're on with, you know, the snowfall and all that. It's not Saruman who attacks them in the book, though, right? It's just Karadis, the mountain that attacks them. Is, is that correct? I think he does something in the book. I, I can't be sure, I know though. that they were, like, like the god of the mountain was, like, mad at them or something I like think that. so. I think it's, like, more mystical in, in the book, you know, like, that the mountain has, like, a Was not letting... Or, yeah, the yeah. mountain wasn't letting them pass. Because, like, makes, the way even Saruman says that if the mountain defeats you, like, even though it's, it's literally him. It's so funny. Like, he... He throws a lightning bolt at him, and then the next time you see him, he's just, like, reading in his lounge, like, if the mountain defeats... What? You were just (laughs) on the roof! What are you talking about? If the mountain defeats you, you gaslighting SOB, like... Oh, Gandalf, I can't believe you let the mountain defeat you. Did someone throw a lightning bolt? That's crazy! Oh, my God! Are you okay? Are you okay? I hear those... Gotta be careful. Do you have to come to Isengard? Bring your snowshoes <laughs> next time, you silly goose. I will say this, and I didn't catch it until recently. Frodo seals Gandalf's fate, and Gandalf knows it. Okay. This is not right by Gandalf. You cannot look so anguished and sorrowful that Frodo has to make this journey and not tell him what's in Moria. (laughs) You can't just be like, no, Gimli, I don't want to go to Moria. I won't tell you why. People, it's so funny. People always get mad, and I will bring it up. Last Jedi. People always bring up Laura Dern's character from Last Jedi why didn't she tell Poe her plan of evacuating? Oh, this is just mansplaining for women. Oh, feminazi, all these things. Oh, God. Gandalf could have taken 30 seconds on that hilltop after the crows attacked and be like, you know what, guys? Gap of Rohan is not an option because of Saruman. Moria is not an option because there's an ancient Morgothian <laughs> evil called the Balrog <laughs> that the dwarves, your people, awoke in like in depths of awa- awakened. And sorry, Balin's probably dead, bro. You and it's heard. been sixty years <laughs> since you've heard from Balin. He's dead AF, Gimli. I don't know if you need that that cold bucket of water on your head right now. And I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but if someone doesn't write you a f- is if someone is constantly writing you letters and then stops for half a lifetime, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> 
so it's like the people that nitpicking i'm sorry gandalf i love you but you cannot be like hey frodo what do you want to do i know you have no context or any idea of the decisions we need to make and you're super cold right now and literally and aragorn says you're got the the hobbits will die literally yes. he says that right before he says yeah you make the decision this will be the death of the hobbits oh it'll be my death okay let's go let's go to more <laughs> he'll I would have said that. And you know what? Even with a Balrog, I might have been like, you know what? I'll take my chance with a Balrog. I'm pretty cold right now. Like, And you know what? You might make that I'm decision. I'm barefoot. I'm a hobbit. <laughs> you would make that decision, I think, based off of the inability to pass the mountain. They're not going. Where else are you going to go? Gandalf? Like I, then, then you know what? Then you do the Gap of Rohan. Then you you travel right. by night. You, you, you've got Aragorn. You've got a wood elf. You've got four hobbits that no one pays attention to. You could have done it. And, you know, and I wonder if if there's also, like, the unspoken not wanting to go to the Gap of Rohan because of Boromir as well. Because even Boromir goes, we shall go to the Gap of Rohan because he wants to go to Gondor. Yeah. And that becomes an issue more clearly stated in the book um, when, not when, but... So, so like, it, it, is Gandalf more assured of their fate by going up against a Balrog than with Boromir trying to go to? Go- I, it's it's so funny that they do Moria, and he's like, "Well, let's hope." One after the entire Watcher collapses the whole cave, nothing gets woken up there. Right, but like one bucket from Pippin. I guess it just hit the sweet spot. <laughs> um, but it's like, oh, maybe we'll we'll make this four day journey, and we just have to. Hope we go unnoticed. Wait, so an enclosed space mm-hmm. of a mine. Granted, mm-hmm. Moria is big. Mm-hmm. Moria is a big place, but it's still like an enclosed space that echoes with every single step, and it's super dangerous. And there's chasms, and there's Balrogs, and there's orcs, and everything, and cave trolls. You want to get to spend four days wandering around in the darkness, not really knowing where you're going because you've forgotten. Or we can be in the wide open ranges of the Gap of Rohan and hopefully no Saruman Spice catches. I don't know. I'm going to pick the wide open spaces with a little room to wiggle where I know that an ancient evil isn't lurking along with thousands of goblins. Yeah, I think I think it's the most egregious part is Gandalf has is the keeper of all this knowledge and puts the the decision on Frodo. It's giving me, and we talked about this before, it's giving me book five of Harry Potter vibes. It's very Dumbledore of him. And it and it's my least favorite. And then like Gandalf like dads him too. Like Gandalf knows he's gonna die and like Frodo, you need to make your decision with like he babies basically Bilbo's him too. Like, I chose to take you under my wing because you were different. I'm gonna leave you now. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway. And then, and then like there's a, a scene right before that's definitely extended. And you can tell it's extended because Gandalf's beard looks super different. It looks really oh, taped on. I didn't on. notice this. Oh yeah. Like it, it, the beard does not look great. I even made like a note of it and he's like and I, I don't like – this is one of the scenes I'm not a huge fan of where he's like, I feel like someone will try and take the room from the outside and the inside. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I, I didn't need that. I don't know. It, it felt like a little too – like the Galadriel will like will kind of do that same thing later on in the same movie. And so I don't know. It's it, 
I, the way I viewed that scene, and again, this is one of those small scenes that I was talking about that I can under, I, I don't, I think if we lost it, if we lost it, it even in the extended version, we wouldn't miss it. But we're seeing it. I think the only purpose of it is to see Gandalf's affection for Frodo. Yeah. It's almost like, hey, you just sealed my fate and I'm going to die, but it's okay. Yeah. Like, you'll be fine. I will. I do want to go back real quick because the scene on the mountain before the blizzard, you know, where Frodo rolls and Boromir picks up the ring. Um, oh, one, yeah, that's the yeah. that's the mountain that Sean Bean refused to get on the helicopter for, and he'd wake up at six a.m. and climb the mountain every single day that they had Whoa. to shoot. Insane person. But two, it, the scene's really good in that you know it's like Sean Bean, like you can see Boromir getting tempted by the ring. Aragorn putting his hand on the hilt. But another great shot is that when Sean, when Bormir walks away, he slings his shield on his back. And it's just like great visual storytelling that that's kind of the only shot we really see of the shield. But then later on, you know, we'll talk about this in the next part where, where Pippin or Mary goes, where's Frodo? And Aragorn looks around and he sees the shield on the ground. Like, Oh, Bormir's also missing. So it's just like great visual storytelling by Peter Jackson. Be like, hey, here, and he slings the shield on his back. We don't really see him. Like, we see him use it, like, in the fight upcoming, but there's no, like, real close-up There's not it. a moment Like, there's it. not a moment where he, like, he blocks something and then stabs an orc or something. It's the main shot of the shield. Hey, this big black shield with a silver medal in the, in the middle of it. Remember this. And you do. Because, like, they show it on the ground, like... Bormir's also missing. Oh, no. Like, you get that sense as an audience, and it's really, really good stuff by That's Peter Jackson. That's beautiful storytelling. Also, we're about to get to another moment of foreshadowing, which is actually really grim, but we're not quite there yet. Um, I, I do think one of the things we have to do while we're doing this review of the movies is have, like, a scoreboard against Pippin when he does dumb things. Bro, just... Like, how many dumb things has he done up to this point? So he's got, like, one against him for uh, the Prancing Pony. Prancing Pony. Um, uh, and then I'm well, going like, to say it's well, his well, fault. Fire, fireworks first. Okay. was he? Is he the instigator there? I feel like Pippin lets Mary take the fall a lot. No, uh, I'm confusing them. Pippin, Mary lets Pippin take the fall. Mary's, like they say, like he's... Mary's always there to get Pippin out of trouble because Mary can talk like he's the mature. He's like, oh, it's just Pippin. Don't worry about it. But is We're Mary sorry. getting Pippin in trouble with the fireworks? No. Pip this is Pippin's idea. You think so? I know so. Because Mary's one who's Mary like, get the big better. one. Get the big one. <laughs> Mary knows better, but still goes along with it. Okay, fair. So we got one against him for the fireworks. I'm, I, I'm not with you 100% on that, but I can understand the argument. We got another one against him for the prancing pony. We, I don't think we, we give another one against him for the fire at, uh, yes, weather right? top. We, whether or not we see that scene of who's arguing to put the fire there, we know it's Pippin who wants a second breakfast. Pippin. And then it's throwing rocks. Even though I think the first rock we see thrown is Mary. They're throwing rocks at the watcher in the lake, whether they realize it or not. But, like, why do you need to throw rocks into... It's water. You gotta <laughs> throw rocks? Like, I know you're bored, but, like... Play... It's not the hot... This is not the Shire. This is not the Shire. And so, he's currently at four. Yes. Um, so, we're angry with Pippin on, on four counts. And they wake up 
Cthulhu. Well, also, even before that, when he's like, so what are you going to do? It's like, sh- <laughs> shut up. We have been walking, walking for a month. And we have been spied on. We've had to change direction. We've had to backtrack. We've had to climb up a mountain, down a mountain. Shut up, Pippin. Shut up. There is something special, though, about the hobbits, and they kind of explain this. I think whenever they take down Isengard, I guess that's the two towers, like the resilience of hobbits, especially after seeing a lot of death and destruction at Isengard, we see them like, all right, let's just smoke the long bottom leaf that we found. Yeah. So Pippin is doing his best to lighten the mood when he says to Gandalf, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> but it is like the worst thing that could happen in that moment. So are we dinging him for that? Yes. That, especially that when five? he says like, nothing's happening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's five then. So he's at, he's at negative. He's at plus five right now. Yeah, he's at plus boy. five. Okay. So then they wake up Cthulhu and the water is messed up. And it, but yeah, so they've, they solve the riddle too and open the door. And I like this choice because in the book, you know, there's nothing there. They don't know what what's happened to the dwarves. But I like that as soon as they open the door, it's like they're all corpses everywhere, skeletons everywhere. Skeletons, Gimli. <laughs> Not bodies. There are more intact bodies in Erebor that have been like Whoa. were suffocated 60 years ago. Like maybe the maybe the goblins were gnawing on them, which is a fair possibility. They Very do possible. Eat, they eat meat. But Skeletons, Gimli. They're dead and gone. <laughs> Jesus. Like, I'm sorry. I, I can't, like, no, even there's something the unbelievable. Book, it's something unbelievable about it. Yeah. Like, like how yeah. did you get to this point where you're so delusional that you think Moria is flourishing again? You knew they were, like, they were going to, to fight to get it back. It wasn't like, oh, it's empty. Let, I don't know why we're not using this. This rental property we have, let's just move in. Like, no, you knew they were going to have to fight their way and clear everything out. I didn't, I don't understand that. Even Balin, I'm just like, so you knew it was like overrun with orcs. And And it's not like they didn't know about Durin's Bane, too. Like, yeah. And so, like, were they, did they have any chance to mine there or were they just like constantly fighting? The whole time, I I need to go read because there's, you know, more journal entries than what Gandalf reads here. He just kind of reads the last one. There's like a bunch of journal entries that they find from that book. Um, And so I need to go like reread that section again and be like, were they, did they have a chance to mine it at all? Like, were they living comfortably or was it like, you know, you're, you're playing, you're, you know, speaking of which, you're playing the Moria video game. So what's going on in that? What's the storyline there? The storyline, it's actually quite lovely um Gimli comes back and wants to come back to Moria and reestablish it as a, a oh this is post war yes. okay yeah. i like that i like it's, that angle it's actually brilliant and so the orcs are still there um i don't think anyone's like talking about the balrog yet but i can imagine like we're building up to especially like watching the scene of them like running away from the balrog i'm like oh, okay so this is what we're eventually going to get to we're going to get to the bridge we're going to get we're probably going to have to banish the balrog at a certain point but the balrog's dead thank you totally forgot 
The Balrog's very dead. Very dead. I very much forgot that aspect of it. And the highest peak of the lowest dungeon or whatever. I always make I, uh, 100% forgot about that. And I'm 100% leaving that in because that's very dumb that I just forgot about that. Um, we are, we're basically like throwing orcs out and, uh, something, and there's like shadow covering the mines of Moria and we're the only dwarves that are in there. So Gimli's outside, like, we're going to get in there, but they can't open the gates to Moria. They can't get in for some reason. And it turns out there's this, like, shadow thing. Anyway, it's I'm not going to do a good job of, like, recapping the whole story. But it's so smart that it takes place after the fact. Yes, and I like that. And you're slowly pushing forward, trying to reclaim Moria and, like, rid it of this shadow that you're okay. not exactly sure what it is. And you have, like... You have low-level gobos, you have your high-level orcos, you know, and you're like, the like hordes coming at you. And and you get to my, I'm really enjoying it. Let's put it that way. It's it's a super blast. It's, it's it, it ticks all the boxes for me, too, because it's not only Lord of the Rings, you just get to live in this amazing dwarf world, but you're like sandboxing enough where you get to build some stuff mm-hmm. and you have objectives. It's really enjoyable. Love it. Um, so yeah, and it's smart that it takes place after the fact, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna reclaim it," but they're not unaware of the danger that's involved. Yeah, in it. you even have a dwarf at the top going, "Are you sure, Gimli? That I want to do this. That's really why. Why we could do anything else." And Gimli's like, "No, we're going." And it's the same actor who does the voice, which is really awesome too. So, oh, John Reese Davis, yeah. Gimli, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, love it's it. Very smart. Yes, love that. Um, but yeah, like that, that makes sense. Reclaiming, like, you know, Durin's Bane is gone. And so it's like, oh, they're just orcs. Okay. <laughs> like, but yeah, I, I want to know about like the, the meetings. Like, you know what? We're living pretty good over here in Erebor, but we really need Moria. And I understand that because Moria is like their capital city. It's their, it's their Minas Tirith. So. Well, it's, it's exactly the same reason why you want to go back to Erebor too, right? Like you, you once lived there and. Yeah. But I guess it is just silly. Like, how does Gimli not know about the Balrog? I it's just is that lore lost to time? You know. I do wonder that too because it doesn't seem like anybody knows about it besides Gandalf. Jess is kicking her radiator right now. She's in the Industrial Revolution. Have you guys seen a Christmas Story? She's the dad from a Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, let me go put on my leg lamp real quick and, right. and cure my son of the black my son of the black lung. Um, yeah, so we we go through. Uh, we get the great line of Gandalf following your nose or whatever, and they get. So into how the does halls. Gollum get in? Because Cthulhu, That's which a I love, great question. I love like the inter- like, I remember reading the book. I was like, I wonder what the Watcher looks like, and then the Watcher's just crazy Leviathan Cthulhu looking monster. Looks Horrible. awesome, truly terrifying. I love that. Both Aragorn and Boromir go straight in and just cutting the the tentacles off it, like catches him. Like they they've only known each other for a little bit, but Bo- as soon as Boromir catches Frodo, he just goes Legolas, and Legolas just shoots the thing right in the face. I have the same feeling. Like you've all, like yes, they've been walking a long time, but they know each other's strengths, and he and he calls out for help at the exact time. Like that's a yeah. team, man. Yeah, I love it. Looks works so well. Um. And then, yeah, just how does Gollum get in there? I know Gollum's a little sneaker, sneaker beaker, 
I know, I know that. But like that thing caved it in pretty tight. I mean, and how did he get past the watcher? Like, so there's a couple options, and I always thought he like snuck in with them during the fray, and they just didn't like catch it, or like you know he's climbing on the ceiling. Like it's very possible that's what happens. But 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 there are also light and other cracks and crags and things like that in mountains that he very well could know the path through and toward. So, like, there is, like, a shaft of light that's on Balin's grave, right? Yeah. Like, there... And interestingly interestingly enough, too, in the Mines of Moria, there are, like, areas where light gets through. So Mm. he either jumps... I think it's more likely he gets through while they're running in or, like, right ahead of them when they're distracted by the Watcher or... Because, like, they're about to turn around, by the way. Yeah, right. They're before, trying to get out. Yeah, like nope, because this is a orc. I don't know where <laughs> it is time for the gap of Rohan at this point, but this is like a dwarf graveyard. They're turning around, and then the Watcher comes and and snaps up Frodo. My question is: Is it more clear in the book? And I don't remember. Is the Watcher a servant of Sauron, or is it just an evil thing? I think it's just an evil thing because it's odd that it grabs Frodo of all of them. It, it does grab Frodo and they do a good job in this movie. Just like, man, Frodo just keeps getting picked on like yeah. all the time. Um, but I remember in um, the diary in the book, they talk about the watcher as well and that the water was like up to the gate. And so they couldn't even like one of the dwarves gets taken by the watcher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, I remember that was one of the, the diary, the journal entries, uh, wow. is that someone got taken by the watcher. So, I mean, I'm sure it might be, but it's just like, you know, just one of those old foul creatures of middle earth. Sure. Um, so I, I think Gollum sneaks in. I think that's just what happens. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it. And it works I, for me too. Yeah, He's a little sneaker. And he also does know roots that other people don't. So there's got to be other smaller, weirder Yeah, I mean, entrances. like, he lived in the Misty Mountains for 500 years. Like, he's going to know his way around mountains. Yeah, yeah. yeah he sure does. Um, so then we... It's a, another good little piece when they, you know, Gandalf says, oh, it's a four-day journey. And then they show, like, a little montage of them, like, you know, like, scripping and scraping and climbing. And in the extended version, they're like, oh, it's... Uh, this thing was for Mithril, and they show the caverns and stuff. But a good thing when, you know, they come to the three thing, he's like, oh, I have no memory of this place, and they're kind of sitting there. Um, and he's like, oh, that, oh, there's something following us. Oh, it's Gollum. He's been following us for three days. It's like, oh, that's a good little mention ah. of how long. And so, you know, when they find the, you know, the right door, and they go into the Balin's tomb, and then they're running for the bridge, they're like, oh, they're right there? Because, like, without that, you wouldn't have known, like, oh, they've been walking for three days in this place, and they're at the finish line. They just don't know it. Oh, yeah. See, I always took that that he was following them outside for three days. But maybe because they're in the Mines of Moria, they fi- like, Gandalf finally put together, oh, yeah. go- Gollum's here. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we need we do need some markers of time. It is helpful. I will say, I think we take away a point from Pippin here because he stopped Mary from uh, falling off the edge when they're looking at the mithril uh, mines. But also, then we take we add another point because um, when they come back, when Gandalf's still you know looking, he's like Mary, 
I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's... <laughs> All right, so he's still at five. He's still at five. <laughs> uh, they get to the halls, which I I think is a weird design. If you're gonna, if I'm gonna be honest, I think it's it, weird it that see, it's column it's, after column after column after column. It's very early CGI. We're like, okay, we can't do too much detail with this, but we want to show how grand is this that what place. It is? I think so. I think it's like let's. Simple design, you know, on a computer, like it's it looks good. It's like a lot of the CGI still holds up, um, but it's just like a simple design of like this is a grand hall. It's not. It's like you know what what Gimli says, like oh they call it a mine, a mine. Like we're, we're we see you know like the chains and like the buckets and stuff. Like that's the mine part of it, but it's a whole right. kingdom. Right, it is a literal city. Not just a mine of Moria. It's but then Casa why Doom. isn't it just like open? Because they can't show the expanse of how big it is. Because like the columns are what really bother me. About- I think if you had an open, people would be like, oh, it would just cave in. Like it's like one of those like brain things that like, um, what's... Maybe what's there's the- bigger gaps between the columns than yeah. we realize also. It yeah. just always has visually bothered me. What are we going to say? There's something, I, there's an, like an example of... Something that well, you can cut this out because I'm just gonna be rambling. But it's no, like it's there's fine. something where it's like visually, I can't remember what it was, but like your brain, it's like some movie where it's like they they had to do this because people would be like, oh, that's not how it was, even though that's how it was. Well, so I, I think was about like, this with the Howard Hughes movie with Leo, okay. where it was like all the fighter pilots in the air. But because they the, the fire pilots weren't flying against clouds, you couldn't get a sense of how fast they were moving. So they needed to reshoot the whole movie with cloud on a cloudy day so that there was like you could get a sense for how fast the yeah. planes were traveling. Otherwise they just looked they were floating. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about what you're saying right now. Yeah, it's like people have thought about history or like you know physics or whatever you want to place into a movie they're gonna be like that's not how that works even though sometimes that is how it works right like, yes and, and so i can't remember what example i was thinking of i'm sorry for rambling no but it was great. like it was some it was some historical maybe it was like a period piece maybe it was a swords and sandals movie where like we needed to put this in mm. because people would have been like that's not how it works even though that is how it was but we had to do it for like the visual language. And I think that's how it is here. Maybe you could have a full open cavern in a mountain. I don't know. But I think people would have been like, that would just cave in. That doesn't make any sense. So you need to have those columns there. I think that's fair. Um, and I and I still, you still get the sense of grandeur, which what is what totally works. And then they, then they get like cornered in this room. Another ding for Pippin for <laughs> pl- playing with the arrow. <sighs> You've you you just walked past like sixty corpses with arrows in them, Pippin. <laughs> you just had to touch this one. That's precarious. Like that poor guy. What was he doing? What was that dwarf doing, sitting on the side of a well and, and didn't fall get- in to begin with? By the way. Yeah, just like just. What a shot by the orc! Must have immediately just straightened the heart. Just been like, huh. oh my god. Just- That's a good point. Right. Like and so. I don't know, Pippin. You're 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 killing me. You're he's. You know what it killing is. Killing me. And I I don't know if Mary feels this way. Mary feels this way more when you fast forward with him and um 
not Denethor, but the other king. Um, Theoden? Theoden, where he feels useless. But Pippin's got to feel real dumb and useless. Yes. And he's always like just dicking around waiting to do something. And he also like maybe he just isn't processing grief very well. He's like watching Gimli cry over here and he's like, ooh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need to. I can't. All right, Can we so, not? Yeah. So we got six points against Pippin now. Um the, the longest well ever on the planet, and then it summons the orcs. Yeah, this, there's no water down there either. I don't think there is. There should be, but there isn't. Um, or at least we just don't hear it hit water. Um, this is the grim foreshadowing that I was talking about. All of a sudden they hear the drums, and the yeah. orcs are coming. And Boromir looks out the door, and two orc arrows almost hit him. Yeah. And that is huge foreshadowing, I think, too. Like, you're looking at your future, buddy. <laughs> the fact that he dodged them is impressive, honestly. Or that, it's unimpressive that the orcs didn't hit him. <laughs> like, to no, me, like, the orcs, orcs aren't are, great archers. Why, then why be archers at all? Because they've got it. <laughs> I mean, they're very bad, especially when they're on the bridge and the stairwell. Like, Ex- that's what I'm saying. They just might as well be like lobbing. They're just throwing the arrows instead of like launching. Just op- open shots. Like, <laughs> oh, like they they have no cover, no cover whatsoever, and y'all are just whiffing. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And this moment, it's important to point out. This is the first true battle that the hobbits have been in. And they it is wild to see that like I, I thought of that same thought, Jess, where they draw their swords and when that door breaks open, you see them like oh like and it's go time. Yeah. Yeah. It is kinda it's cool because you kind of see Boromir's training them, so they kinda do have some skills, but mm. a hobbit would never have experienced this in their No, they life. in reality they all would have died. Oh, they should have died. Because like, like all yeah. the dwarves did. All the dwarves did. You have 50 goblins rush in at once. And granted, you do have two of the best men on the planet, one of the best elves on the planet, Gandalf, and a pretty sturdy dwarf. Gimli's pretty badass himself. So you got you got five out of the nine who are – like, that's a – that's the dream. You got the dream team right there. Right, one hundred percent, one hundred. You got the Fab Five right with you, so you are gonna have quite a bit on your side against a bunch of like little baby goblins. Um, but like, there's something where you know, like you know, Sam's got his frying pan, but there's one right at the beginning when one of them, I think, it might be Frodo, where he ducks under a swing. It's like you're gone. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting like, you would not, you wouldn't duck. You'd like, you'd do the, you'd just flinch. And like maybe you'd hold your sword up or something, but it's it's and I'm not saying this as like a nitpick, but just like as a pure shock of someone coming from the most you're not even if you're a peasant, you know, living in Gondor, like, you know, just a lowly person, you're surrounded by a constant threat of violence. Or, you know, you're you're living in the the plains of Rohan, you know, you've got the 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 wildlings or the, the. you know, whatever they're called, uh, that might raid your village or something like that. There's nothing in the Shire. Right. You have no threat ever. You are living in the most peaceful place, literal Eden. Like, the only thing you have to worry about is 
the Saxville Bagginses. Right. Like, literally. Truly, truly. And I'm that's it's this isn't like a criticism. And maybe a wild boar. Maybe. Maybe. Which if is a you big go deal. outside. Like right. if you go out go out of, you know, Bag End or or right. wherever. Like if you go into any of the forest or something, but even then, like, you know, Bilbo's reading a book in the forest, like waiting for Gandalf, like just chilling. You mean so Frodo. it's just <coughs> So I don't think any of them survive. Like maybe Frodo because he's got his mithril vest, but even that, Frodo's breaking some ribs on that spear. Granted, I it doesn't mean... impale him, but it like like he like I had my uh lung burst like from a basketball injury. No. It, oh yeah. Um, uh so Frodo's a collapsed lung is co- the, the yeah, worst. Frodo's lungs are collapsed when a fifteen foot troll spears him. <laughs> so I was we we all know that Peter Jackson uh, made a tr- uh, an orc look like Harvey Weinstein. Are we sure this cave troll isn't Harvey Weinstein too? It might be. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it kind of looks like Harvey Weinstein. Um, but no, I I do think it's good that um, we think Frodo's dead. I do think that's good that there is actually some threat of danger because it's unrealistic even when you have the dream team that they get out unscathed. And yeah. also that the thousands of orcs that then chase them after this scene don't attack them here. But it is it is good that there is some threat of danger, but that the Mithril was able to save him. Yeah. Um, God, the ever... makeup on these orcs, too. Like, you, there are so many close-up shots of, like, orcs charging in and getting their head cut off, and they're all unique, and their armor's so different. Oh, like... The, and the just craft. for one scene, one scene, one, like literally, one... like there's one orc that just like screams at Aragorn, he cuts his head off. I'm like, that took eight hours. It, Th- that's where the, the money needs to go because yeah. it makes those scenes actually yeah. dangerous. Um, and in the book, it's important to remember something. Gandalf does something in the book here that actually helps them survive. Um, that then expends his energy to the point where he's like shook, literally shook, and then has to go up against the Balrog. So he doesn't meet the Balrog in battle at full capacity. What does he do? Is he like? Is like I, I want to say like I want to say it was a bright light. Something he does like he conjures something. I, I, it's hard for me to remember retain. I, th- like, I think I, I it's ringing a bell though. What you're saying is definitely ringing a big. Because what I remember is Gandalf admitting I even that took it out of me. Like, yeah. And then they have to go run away from the orcs. The Balrog shows up scaring off the orcs or whatever, and then he goes up against this Balrog and probably would never have successfully defeated him to begin with, but was spent when he came face to face. I I don't know. I do want, I think Gandalf would have won no matter what. Because he does. He does win. He does win. And it's, it's such like, one, I love that the Balrogs roar. One, like we we've talked a thousand times about Legolas, like great acting by Orlando Bloom, and a, a good like I love you know, how like, you pointed like, that out. We said like you know Gilgalad with the spear. Like there's a lot of book stuff here for the book nerds, right? Where you know like if you know Legolas is the only time he's afraid in the entire trilogy, right? He looks mortified, yes. literally fear stricken because he's the only one that knows what a Balrog is. And um, and his character is so baby, like yeah. 
that he's not experienced. Half yeah, th- of this, this so. is his boogeyman, literally. Yeah, like uh, th- these are the bedtime stories he got. Um, and then I love when the Balrog finally appears because you know we've got like it just like slamming on the walls, everything's Ugh. on fire. A great tracking shot of like where. You know, we said uh, that orcs are terrible archers, and they're getting thing, and Elegus looks up, ping, straight through the forehead, and it sticks in the stone. It's so good. Oh, my God, this guy's got it. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Such a good shot. And then just when it finally appears, you know, jumps out of the pit, and it reminds me of the the devil from The Last Unicorn, whatever. Did you ever watch that I movie? I never that? watched that. That is so okay, fun. Okay, yeah. people listening to this, go watch just like type in Last Unicorn and just like that final fight, the bull. That's what it is. It's a bull. And it very much reminds me of the design of that. Huh. Um, and, you know, Last Unicorn probably took inspiration from this. Um, and then just the fact that it doesn't roar it's just heat and flame coming out of its mouth like i love that because i'm sure people were thinking you know like the t-rex or something from jurassic park sure but it's just like this i it's crazy just the it's a pit of of it's just despair and heat and flame and i love it it's it's so cool and it's so well done too. It's so well done and just like the wings as it's charging, just taking up the entire cavern space. Um, what is the secret fire though? What is Gandalf the keeper of secret fire? I don't know. <laughs> is I it because it's a secret? It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell anybody. That's how he's so powerful. Is because no one knows the secret. <laughs> But uh, this whole scene is so well done. And, like, you know, watching it a thousand times, you see, I think it's Aragorn at the front, and he's, like, stumbling across the bridge, and it's like, they're so tired. Mm -hmm. They've been fighting this whole time. They're exhausted. They're running. Yeah. And then it's, like, him blocking it and then, you know, doing the bridge. And it's so good because you think he's won, and you see it, and then just whip gets him around the ankles. And I wish I understand why it looks like he could have climbed up. And that's why it's so good because like he climbs up and you're like, and he's just, he's just too tired. He's too tired. Like he could have climbed up, but I love that, you know, they couldn't get to him because the orcs are coming. Cause there's is no that more what bo- it is? Cause yeah, like because someone's got to run back and try. Come on. I think, I honestly think that's that they should have like when, they should have. There should have been a shot of the orcs coming towards them, or something like. Or you see them behind Gandalf because now, granted, they do go, do a good job with you know one Elijah would scream is heartbreaking. It's oh. so good, and then the music kicks in, and Aragorn's like dodging arrows as he's going up the once stairs. Once they find, once we finally realize why they don't run back, to yeah. Him, but there's like a good five seconds where someone could go get him without this information. Yeah, they, they should have shown a shot of, like, the orcs coming, like, or that they're right around the corner, or they were already shooting arrows or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's so, so good. I, I love this scene so much because in the book, it's very it's very formal. It's like, oh, no, our dearest Gandalf has fallen into darkness. Oh, right. uh, woe is us. It's like, no, this one's like, no. Nah! Oh, like it's, oh, no. His scream is so like it's so good, and the music kicks in, and then the Aragorn, 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 like, and you see the look of despair on his face. Oh, it's it's 
That's probably. Did I send you that about Boromir being like the comforting? You did. It, like Boromir's like the, he is like the big brother. Like granted, there is so many things like he's gonna betray, us, he's gonna betray, us, he's gonna take the ring. But there's so many shots of like he's the one comforting Gimli. He's the one saying like give them a moment. Like, and you, you take it as like oh come on Boromir toughen up. Like no like he's he's an empath man. No, it's actually beautiful. And yeah, I don't. I think we needed to know he wasn't all bad, right? Yeah, and we see. Here for the first time, probably the big brother he was to Faramir. Yes, and it is it is beautiful. And then, granted, Aragorn is correct. The orcs will be on their tail end. They do need to move on. But we also, as an audience, need that moment of like, come on, this was awful. Yeah, truly, like a harrowing experience that Gimli found that all of his kinsmen are dead and slaughtered. And we just lost our guide and our most powerful member. And, you know, Ar- Aragorn's probably the closest one to Gandalf, too, out of everybody. Right, right. I mean, which is why he is a leader, right? Because he's like, yeah. well, we will mourn this, but we have to move on. Yeah. Um, but but th- there's a lot of men out there in particular that appreciate the Lord of the Rings for its um, introduction to a bromanship without being like you know homophobic or something and yeah. seeing Boromir the toughest of them all going this was bad is also a beautiful representation of like you're allowed to have emotions also uh, really grant- granted this was the worst thing that could possibly happen but um, yeah and just like that final shot and we'll end on this of just Frodo like what because oh. he completely blames himself because he's the one that made the decision to to go into Moria. And so he's got all of that crushing down on him. And so and so Where's like you know his Oscar nom for that tier, bro. Dude, it's it's so good. There's so many unsung performances in this movie. And just what a what a sequence. Because you needed it. Like in the structure of a movie, you needed like some action and this is how you do it. Like, there's there's no, like, empty action in these movies. Everything has a point. Everything comes with emotional punch. And this was that. And just, like, you... I, I wish I wasn't a book reader. Because I wonder what movie-only people thought when Gandalf died. Because that's your biggest actor. Your right. biggest character. Right. The right. one we've known from the very beginning. Your most powerful character... Like your guide, your your narration to all of this, like your introduction to the ring and uh, explaining everything to Frodo and all this, and then he's gone. I'd love to know like what movie only people thought. God, that's such a great. I, I I wish to know that as well too. I think the way Peter Jackson surprised the book readers was with the delivery of fly you fools because it's always been fly you fools like a like yelling at them yeah and to give us it in the whisper was the change and it and it bone chilled you in that moment it was very smart but yeah this is one of those what what do you act what are they actually experiencing with this huge loss and we still experience it even though we are a book reader, you know? For sure. It's it's so well done. And it's great. Uh, a, a thing that you watch upon repeat and repeat viewings is that when they show Gandalf falling, 
you can see him go into a swan dive. Like when he when he starts to fall, you know, we see at the beginning of Two Towers where like, you know, he, he dives and catches his sword and everything. Mm. What a talk about and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it in, you know, two weeks. What a way to just go straight into business. Sure. You are falling down a chasm. It's like, uh, I can't make it. Uh, catch my sword. Let's kill this guy. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> you do not want that person jumping at an app. No. <laughs> I think that's a perfect place. It's like, to... what's that meme? It's like, someone call 911, but not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's fantastic. It's God. like a, a guy being, like, carjacked. And he's just like, he gets, like, hit. And he's like, oh, someone call 911. And then pulls out a gun. He's like, but not for me. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> Literally that. Literally Gandalf is the Balrog, right? There. Someone's about to get shot. <laughs> Not me. That's fantastic. Ugh. So I think that's a good place for us to pause it. We we gave you your money's worth today, folks. If you want to support us, there's multiple ways you can do it. But the best way to do it is go over to patreon.com forward slash pod of the rings. And you can even just get as early as $2 and you get this podcast early if we can give it to you. Um, you can also engage with us in our Discord where we have fun combos over there, usually correcting me for something I said, and the link to that is in our liner notes. Anything else you want to share with our folks, Ben? Uh, no, I, I just love talking about these movies. It's it's imp- There's no surprise that we take hours to talk about a 45-minute chunk of movie. <laughs> yeah, I, again, like anytime I think that we're going to have a short episode, it always ends up being a longer one, so I love that. I just ride the wave, which is yep. fantastic. So and fun. thanks for being on the wave with us, folks, and until next time. May our paths meet again. 